Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Black Girl Gone Afterthoughts. I'm your host, Amara, and I'm here with my husband and my co-host, Jason. What's up, folks? So this week, we uh, told the story of the unsolved murder of Taylor Robinson. Uh, The story happened 10 years ago, so it is a cold case, but it's one of those stories that when I saw it for the first time, it was just... Something about it, I was like, this is one of those stories that I know is solvable. Just like, you know, a lot of the stories I saw, I, I cover. But, you know, sometimes I cover stories and I look at it and I'm like, this just seems like there's so little. There's so, you know, there's not, not much to go on. But when it came to this story, I, I felt the opposite. I felt like there was a lot to to to, to go on for, for the investigator. So the fact that it's been unsolved this long and now that it's co- it's cold, completely cold. It's really surprising to me. So that's why I really wanted to cover this story. Um, and I am anxious to get into the afterthoughts and kind of talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the details of this case. Yeah, as we recorded the story on uh, last week, I really felt the the same thing. Uh, the case was really solvable. And uh, that's why we want to hear some, you know, some things that you, you know, yeah. want, to, want to say about the case and, and, and get into that. So Yeah, for sure. So as always, uh, start us with a recap and tell us, you know, uh, if somebody didn't listen to the episode and they're maybe just listening to Afterthoughts, yeah, uh, give us a recap of this case. Okay, so um, and this story we told uh, about the uh, murder of Taylor Robinson, who was 19 years old from Akron, Ohio. She disappeared uh, on May 3rd, 2013, and Taylor was working as a home health aide for people with special needs, children, and adults. She was living at home with her mom. She was scheduled to work on overnight shift on May 3rd, and her mom dropped her off at her client's house at about 10 p.m., watched her go inside. And then the uh, mother of her client went ahead and left for work. When she returned the next day, the next morning, Taylor was gone. Uh, the only thing that Taylor had left behind was her shoes and her coat. The mother of the client assumed that Taylor had just kind of, I guess, abandoned her responsibilities and, and left. But when Taylor's mom showed up to pick her up at about 7.30 that morning, 7.15 that morning, the mother told her that Taylor was no long, wasn't there. And 
Her mother immediately knew something was wrong. And so she started calling Taylor's phone, but it was going to voicemail. And so she knew that, you know, this was not like her daughter. Uh, She went home, called Taylor's friends. Nobody knew where Taylor was. And then ultimately she filed a missing persons report. They searched for Taylor for four long months. And then ultimately Taylor's remains were found in a national park. Ten years later, her case is unsolved. And like I said at the beginning, it is cold. There are no, there's no new information. There seems to be no new leads. And yeah, that's where we are almost 10 years after uh, Taylor disappeared and was ultimately killed. So yeah, as I was uh, listening to the case when we recorded it, uh, one thing that stuck out to me was how young she was. She was 19 years old. Um, this was in Akron, Ohio, and she was dedicated to um, what she was trying to do. You know, she mm-hmm. was a home health aide. She was um, going to nursing school yeah. and, you know, had all of these things that we she was trying to accomplish. And she was so young, you know, try to, you know, make those accomplishments uh, come alive. You mm-hmm. know? So um, that's one thing that really um, stuck out to me, how young she was. Yeah. And how dedicated she was, and um, just a life, uh, a life lost for no reason. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's a good, good recap. Um, as always, uh, the first thing we want to do is go into um, some of the interesting things that you find um, to be interesting in this case and mm-hmm. your opinion. So uh, let's get into that. Yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, so like you said, I mean. Taylor was so young. She was only 19 years old. And that is um, a significant part of the story. Because like you said, she was, you know, doing something that she loved. She was helping other people, being a home health aide, a caregiver for people with special needs, which we know is not an easy thing to do. It's not something that's easy. You know, we have a child with autism. We know that, you know, and she's, you know, she's, you know, thank God she's, you know, she's, she's a one of the on more of the high functioning side we don't have as many issues but some of these children that she was taking care of some of these adults had really severe issues they were needed 24 hour care and that's hence why she was there overnight to take right. care of this particular patient um but that takes a lot of dedication it takes a lot of care for and, somebody and it takes of course a certain heart of course yes a certain, yes, heart. A certain, certain heart. heart to do it exactly you know? it takes a certain heart it takes a certain level of patience, a certain care, a certain empathy for other people. So you could see that that was who Taylor was and that she was at work that night makes that kind of all the more sad because that's what she was doing that night. She had gone there to go to work. She was a student and she was, you know, she was young, you know, so, so just to go into kind of my thoughts about this and, and one of my first thoughts is, is one of those things is that is, is her being at work. Um, that's one of the more interesting things about this case because it's not often that, you know, you hear about a a story of a disappearance from somebody being at work, disappearing from their job. Usually they don't show up for work. Right, they don't show up to the job. To to the job. That's usually the case about the job where they left work and nobody ever saw them again. The fact that she was at work. Now, granted, she was not working in an office building. She's working in someone's home. Uh, Besides her and her client, as far as we know, they were the only ones there. Hence why there's no witnesses or anything like that. Taylor didn't drive. Her mom dropped her off at work. So 
we know that she didn't leave in her car on her own, those things. But like I said, the fact that she was at work to me is a significant part of of the story. And it was just a very interesting part of the story because like I said, it's not a common thing to happen for somebody to go missing from work. So, um, but the fact that she went missing from work, the fact that she was there, we don't know how long she was at work. That's one of the other questions. So we know she got to work at 10 PM. We don't know how long Taylor was there at the home of her client before she vanished before she disappeared. Her mom drops her off at 10 p.m. And, and then no one ever sees Taylor again. We have information about her last calls, a last text, and then we have information about what time her phone is turned off. So that's that's pretty much it when it comes to that part of the story. But Obviously, there are other questions. Obviously, there's other things we need to know. But when it comes to her relationship and, and being at work, we know she went to work, but we don't know what happened after that. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Get into something else that you find interesting Yeah. So, So let's connect this back to the, you know, always connected. But we have the fact that she's at work. We don't know her movements. But here's what we do know. Let's talk a little bit about what we do know. Police... Not too long after Taylor is reported missing, uh, go through her phone records. And through her phone records, they discover that after she arrives at work, she uh, there's two phone calls that happen on her phone. The phone calls, they find out, are to an ex-boyfriend. The ex-boyfriend is then contacted by police. Police bring him in for questioning. And then he immediately lawyers up. As far as we know, he never says anything. But that puts a little bit of a timeline because we do know that at least after Taylor gets to the job to, to work, that she has these two phone calls. Two phone calls. Not one, but two phone calls to the same person. But then after that, there is no reported activity on her phone. So is that the timeline? Is that when she disappears? Is that when she leaves the home? The interesting thing about it is, is that we don't, we still don't know what exact time <laughs> the phone calls take place. That's another missing link to this story. Okay. We know that they take place after she gets to work. We just don't know exactly what time. It's, it's shortly after. From from what I could get, from what I could gather, we're talking about with, within a relatively short period of time. Not hours, not one o'clock in the morning, not two, but like maybe like. 20 minutes after she arrived there, 30 minutes after she arrived at work, she's these phone calls take place. And then after that, like I said, the next activity on her phone that police are able to find happens at 5 a.m. Okay, so this is several hours after she would have been dropped, after she arrived at work. At 5 a.m., a text message, a text message, I'm sorry, is sent to a friend of Taylor's. What the text message, text message says we don't know. Police never... So the police never reveal. Yeah, yeah, they never reveal what the text message says. They only say that it was vague and said something about possibly needing something, but they never specify what it was. Because it's 5 o'clock in the morning, the friend doesn't respond to the text. They don't, they don't get it until later. And then another two and a half hours go by, no activity on Taylor's phone until 7.30 a.m., when the phone is turned off. And then that's it. 
So the questions about timeline, that's that's the timeline that we get from 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 the phone calls. But that doesn't answer a lot of questions. That there's so many gaps. There's a gap between her arrival, those phone calls with the ex, the text message to the friend, and then ultimately the phone being turned off. There's wide gaps in that. Okay. And so that leaves a lot of questions about what police know or what they've been able to find out about those hours. Of course, they haven't released that information, which doesn't mean they don't know, but they just haven't released it. And yeah. so, you know, we don't, we have no idea. We really don't know. But What you say is typical in these cases that yeah. police will have information. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. And maybe sometimes because of the case, because they're still investigating, they they might not want to, you know, reveal what's going on. Yeah, because when we were, we were we were prepping for this episode, and you were asking me, we were, you know, getting questions, and you asked me, and I'm saying, and I was saying to you that exact thing, like maybe they do know this, like maybe they do have answers to some of these questions. The problem is, like you said, is that a lot of times they don't want to reveal it, and so we can say, oh, well, they're not telling us, they're not telling, well, they're not telling us, and sometimes they have a valid reason to not tell us. Sometimes we have no idea. Why? You know what I mean? Sometimes they don't have the information and that's why they're not telling us. But we really never know. That's the that's the thing. So some of these kind of holes in the story, police may know. We know that the FBI was involved. We know the FBI got involved really early on. And so that also would give some, you know, you know, kind of give you more more of a indication that maybe they do know this because you have this bigger kind of police entity involved. Right. But it's 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 not known. And we know that a lot of this information has come from the private investigator. And so, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's very good information. Let's let's get into um something else that you might find interesting. I know I'm not allowed to use the word shocking, but <laughs> <laughs> well the, in this case, I think that sometimes it, it depends. Like sometimes there's some shocking things. I think in this Situation, there are some shocking things. I think the fact that um, the ex-boyfriend was the last person that that we know for sure, based on the phone calls, spoke to Taylor. However, as soon as he's questioned by police, he lawyers up. I think that's kind of shocking because, like I said in the episode, if you're the last person to speak to someone who you used to be in a relationship with, and now that person is missing, and the police have come to you and they say to you, well, we want to talk to you. What do you know? Is your first instinct to lawyer up? And, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and listen, and I know that, you know, people, the, the belief is, here's the thing. I, I think that the belief is, <laughs> let's be honest, a lot of people believe that you should never speak to the police without a lawyer. Oh, yeah. So there's I, that. I can understand yeah, it. So there's that. I can understand But that the part. refusal to cooperate, let's talk about, right. let's focus more on that. That's different. Not that he asked for a lawyer, because yes, you should probably ask for a lawyer, just to be sure, just to be safe. You know, talking to the police, you should make sure your lawyer is there just in case. But in terms of cooperating, once you have a lawyer, and and that's what it seems like he calls a lawyer in, then he, but he but from police from what the police say, investigators say he doesn't cooperate, and that's the key. That's the shocking part because it's like, well, why why wouldn't you cooperate? Why wouldn't you cooperate? Tell them what you talked about. Tell them yeah, what you know. Tell them what you know. Tell them what she said. And so to me, that yeah. So when you talk about that to me is shocking, you know, honestly. Um, yeah. And it just is like, you know, like I said, why? But why? 
I don't know. I guess it's in a no. It's just why. Like, why, yeah. why not? It's just, just one of the things that, yeah, one of the other bigger things that stands out to me, for sure. Okay. Let's get into, uh, if you can give me one more uh, that you that's on your mind. Yeah. So let's go into kind of one of the other things. And that is that um, the investigators, well, the, we, the, I should say, let me specify, the private investigator, because police have never really said um, any of this, for, honestly. But the family had this private investigator. And the private investigator had concluded or had found information about Taylor having issues with people in her life, some type of conflict. And from what he said, it made it seem like there was more than one person that she was having these issues with. And so the question is, you know, how many of these people... Um, you know, we know at least two of them from his account were exes that had abusive backgrounds, had at least had other abusive encounters with other women and Taylor. But what came of that? We know that the, we know that the investigator found that out. And so that adds to the kind of confusion about how police have not been able to kind of narrow down the possible suspects were. It doesn't seem to me like there are a whole lot of people that could have been responsible for this. It seems like the pool of suspects is very small. And based on what the private investigator has been able to found been able to find and the um you know whatever whatever police have been able to find, it seems like we would have more after 10 years. Right. And I also, you know, I'm I'm usually not a part of the sh- shocking inter- interesting <laughs> things of this case. Yeah, but, but no, I'm go thinking ahead. I'm thinking uh 19, you know, uh you're meeting people, you're meeting guys, you're trying to date. Mm-hmm. Um you're trying to maybe find somebody to, you know, be a part of your life long term. And as a investigator or detective, looking at these, you know, suspects that she's had in her life. Like you think about 19 and dating and mm-hmm. you know having fun and you know mm-hmm. you want to take somebody out and 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 you want them to fall in love with you and you want to give them gifts and you know take them to shows. Um you don't think about I'm meeting somebody they 19 and they beating me up and they shoving me around and talking crazy to me. Like that's not what I think about when I just think about a 19-year-old yeah. woman, you know, being in a relationship with a guy, even if it was just a casual relationship. Yeah, and that's, you know, and I think that's something that um, is something that, yeah, police may may think about. And unfortunately, a lot of times that is the case. Even in these young relationships, even in these casual relationships, even in these casual encounters, there are these situations where, this is what happens. The, you know, I talked about this in the episode, the private investigator um, and in his theory and his profile of the murderer or of the, of you know, the, the, the killer, the person who's responsible for what happened to Taylor. In his profile, he basically says that he doesn't believe this is somebody who has done this before, that he believes that this is someone who um, snapped, who is someone who is you know, gets angry when they don't get what they want. And so, yeah, this could have just been one of those encounters. You know, he theorizes also that possibly this was because something that some Taylor knew or said or they wanted her to say something. There was something going on. And so in this situation, 
no, yeah, yeah. At nineteen, it is hard to imagine that that would be the case because she's so young. Like I said, you you look at this as like, oh, these are just some, it's just some, just some kids. You know what I mean? And I think that, and you you look at things also from your own experience and your own perspective. And you know, when we were nineteen, that's how relationships were. People wasn't getting knocked upside their heads, and it just that was wasn't something that that happened or that we were aware of. But it is something that happened. And so in that situation with Taylor, yeah, she could have been in an abusive situation. She could have been dealing with somebody who was threatening her or even if it wasn't physical, it could have been emotional. It could have been all of those type of things. And it bubbled over that night. So, so yeah, that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I think. Okay, so we're going to get into some questions uh, as we do every week on this show. Uh, we'll start with questions that I feel mm-hmm. um, was important or things that stuck out to me in the case, um, questions that I have, and just a few other comments uh, from our listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll start with my first question. You talked about the cell phone activity uh, 5 a.m., a text message was sent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at 7.30, the, to- the phone was turned off. Mm-hmm. Do police think that Taylor was the one who sent the text message at 5 a.m. the next day? Mm-hmm. And if she sent the text, mm-hmm. did they ever trace the location where it was sent from? Um, as they they have the ability to do that, so obviously, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, as far as we know, police have never said whether they believe that Taylor is the person that sent the text message, and I think that answering that question helps pinpoint a timeline because if police don't think that that text message was sent by Taylor, then who sent the text message? And if Taylor was sending the test message at 5 a.m., then we know that at least at 5 a.m., she was still alive. But where was the text message sent from? Was it sent from the home of the client or was it sent from elsewhere? That is also a significant part of the story because that would also help determine when she was no longer at the house that she was supposed to be at. Um, But... We don't know. We, there's never been any indication. I mean, like I said, I, 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 there's no information. I don't want to say indication. There's no information about the tracing of the phone and where it was last pinged, where it was turned off, any of that information. Not even from the uh, private investigator? Not even from the private investigator, no. Nobody has revealed that information as far as I could find. As far as I could find, and I tried really, really hard to find this, but I could not find any information that revealed where the text message was sent from. Because I feel like if they had that information, that would really be maybe not a smoking butt, but a gun, but almost like a smoking gun because it's like, well, then let's go there. Let's go to that location. Because if she was sending a text message from that location, is that somebody's home? Is that near somebody's home? Is that, yeah, so, so yeah. But nobody has ever, not the private investigator, not the FBI, not the Akron police, no one has ever said where her phone was last pinged and whether or not they believe that that text message was sent from her and and from where. Okay. Okay, good answer. 
my next question is, you talked about the ex, uh, him being interrogated or questioned. I don't know if you can say interrogated, but in question, question. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he lawyered up, I wonder if they ever, uh, the police ever got a statement from him, even if the lawyers that he had, you know, had retained, yeah. you know, were there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, we, that's, that's a question that I also have because we do know, like we said, we know that he came in. We know that it's, the, it's not the worst idea in the world to get a lawyer, but did he ever say anything to police? And did police ever attempt to go back and speak to him? Even, you know, I, the only indication that I got was that they tried to speak to him that one time, but I don't know if they ever went back and tried to speak to him and if he ever said anything. It, it reminds me of another case, which is like, did you speak to him? And if so, what did he say? Because right. he's like, he's the last person to see her or talk to her. Like, what did he say? Because if if he has information that is possibly valuable, especially at the beginning of the situation when Taylor was missing, because we have to remember, Taylor was missing for four months before her body was found. And so... At first, they didn't know that Taylor was deceased. At first, this was a missing persons investigation. And so you would think that there would have been uh, more focus, more energy, more urgency on trying to get the last person that they know talked to her to talk. So as far as I could find, they didn't. There's no indication that they tried to speak to him. There's no indication that he said anything. And whatever he did say, has never been public publicly revealed. So it's one of the I think frustrating things about this case, you know. Okay. So uh my last question is the private investigator. Mm-hmm. The private investigator mentioned that Taylor was having a conflict. She he mentioned that it was people that um uh, she was having a conflict with. Mm-hmm. Do we know if police ever identified who those people were? Did the police ever speak to them? Did they ever bring them in for questioning? Like, you know, a circle of friends, anybody, you know? So, yeah. So as far as we know with the private investigator, we know that he interviewed friends of Taylor's. We know that he interviewed coworkers of hers. As far as, um, you know, the people that she had the conflicts with, as far as I know, he gathered that information from speaking to her friends, from going through her social media. But in terms of police, I don't know if police ever spoke to these people. It, it would You would think that they would have. You would think that the p- private investigator would have given them this information and they would have spoken to these people and, and gotten statements from them. But if they did, once again, it's one of those pieces of the story, one of those pieces of the case that we just don't know. My hope is that they did. My hope is that they did speak to these people. But like I said, there's so many things about this case. It's like, well, if they did speak to these people, then what is it that they're looking for? What is it that they're, that they're missing? We know that by the time Taylor's body was found, sadly, it was it was just bones. And so there was a lot of evidence that was lost I'm, that would have been on her body that they would have been able to find. I'm, I'm sure that that has contributed to 
the lack of information and the lack of evidence. I don't believe that there was a lot of physical evidence in the home that they got. They didn't, I don't think they got anything. And so there's been all of those missing parts of this story from the beginning. But the private investigator has seemed to have been able to find out a lot. And so with that information, there seems like there should be more movement. And so you would think speaking to these people, speaking to the people that you possibly had a conflict with would have been one of the first places to start. And so what they said and whether or not they talked to them, another missing piece, another missing part of the story, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And um, like I said, that's something that I feel like, um, you know, when you're talking about a young woman that has, you know, a circle of friends, you know, it's just at 19, you you know, especially I would say just communication wise, you know, you're, you're, you're talking to your friends all the time. They, they know what's going on with your, with your life. Yep. They know what you're into. They know what, you know, they, they know your problems. <clears throat> you, you talk about your friends, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. So I, I would think that that's just like an intricate part of. You know, yeah, it's a big part of their lives, like of the of of the and and a, and an intricate part of the story. Yeah, you know, exactly. Of, of what happened? Uh, yeah, because somebody in in that circle must have said something, must have known something, must have been able to point them in some sort of direction. And, and like I said when we started this episode, that's part of the frustration about you know this story because how could there seem to be all of these things and yet. 10 years almost have gone by and the case is completely cold. Cold. Completely cold. We had a private investigator from the beginning who was finding all of this information. The FBI got involved very early on and there seemed to be a lot of promising leads, a lot of promising information, a lot of promising directions for this investigation to go into to go to. And so the fact that it hasn't been solved is just is really, really, really crazy to me. It's really crazy to me. I think that police may know more than than what they're saying, but it's hard to say that when you're talking about 10 years. If we were talking about 10 months, if we were talking about two years, a year, but 10 years, you've been holding on to this information that you know could help. So so that also (laughs) leads me to believe that maybe they just don't know because you would think that at this point, they would have nothing to lose but to release that information. Y'all ain't caught nobody, so why not just yeah. release information? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like y'all ain't named no suspects. So at this point, just release the information. Just tell the people what's going on. Yeah. The fact that they haven't, eh, it, it means probably that they don't have it. They don't have it, and that's why. Ten years later, like I said, like I keep saying, because it's just I mean, ten years, cold, unsolved. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we went to ask um, some direct questions just regarding the case. We always want to hear from everybody that listens. Mm, um, yeah. Our day one listeners uh, that remember the black and yellow black girl going logo. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening from day one. And we want to hear from everybody, whether you, you know, started listening in March of 2021 or if you just join, you know, Black Girl Gone, um, we want to hear from you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't matter. Inbox, Instagram, uh, we want to hear from the community of people that, you know, listen to this podcast. And we want to hear your thoughts. Um, 
So I just want to read some of the comments that um, came through on Instagram. Uh, one person writes, I feel like uh, the ex knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's always a possibility of, yeah. of, of, of another person that maybe knows what happened or what went on? Yeah, I mean, I think that the I think that the I think that the ex is a very strong possibility. I mean, we don't know who this person is. We don't know what, like I said, we don't know what he's told police. We don't know if police know about this person, but it's a very strong possibility that they have information that they know something. And it was more than one ex. And there was more than one ex. It was, it was there was there was person. more than one ex. Okay. So, you know, according to the private investigator, there was at least two exes. Um, so, but, you know, the idea that this was somebody that Taylor had had a romantic relationship with or had been involved in, involved with, you know, having a relationship with is, yeah, that's, I think that's something that almost everybody pretty much agrees on. I would I would assume even the FBI and the police that this was somebody that she had had a relationship with of some kind. Yeah. This is the uh, other comment. Very, very good comment. I definitely think she was comfortable with whoever she opened the door for since there was no sign of forced entry. Mm-hmm. We see that in so many cases. It doesn't matter what type of case it is. If, you know, somebody came through the door straight straight in your house that um yeah you know you let them in uh either they knew the door was open or yeah. you know something something of that magnitude yeah and um i think that's always uh, a key point when when somebody is so comfortable with opening the opening the door for yeah you. the lack of the lack of forced entry is always a, a, a usually a first indicator that the victim either knew the perpetrator or at the least opened the door for the perpetrator because if it was a home invasion, if it was a robbery, usually there'd be some sign of forced entry. Somebody kicked the door in, somebody, something like that. So yeah, that's, that's, that always, that goes towards, um, you know, solidifying the theory that, yeah, this was somebody she knew. This was somebody she, she opened the door for. Um, and the comment also mentions, um, the address like knowing where I'm at, that's yeah. not that's not random. Like I'm not in a random spot. I'm not in a train. I'm not on a getting off a bus. Um, I'm at I'm at somebody's house. You yeah, know what I'm saying? yeah, exactly. And and that, yeah, I mean, they they she would have had to tell them they didn't, you know, unless they followed her there, unless they were stalking her, which could also always be a possibility. But the more likely thing is that they knew where she worked. She told them where she worked, and that's how. They found her, and that's how she knew. Once again, this is somebody that she knew. This is somebody that she felt comfortable with enough to have told them where she worked. This was somebody that had possibly been there before, had possibly been, maybe they had dropped her off at work before. You know, if this was an ex-boyfriend, maybe he had taken her there before. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's a, a multitude of ways of how he or she may have known where Taylor was at that time. So, yeah, I mean, and that kind of, I think, draws into many of the possibilities of what could have happened to her. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, as always, this is great, great information. Um, Yeah. 
And yeah, go ahead. I hate I hate to reiterate that. <laughs> like I said, I always um, you know, always learn a lot from you. Yeah. Um, from just listening to you and the things that you have. Well, the knowledge, you. the knowledge that you have, um, this is not something that you're a novice at as far as true crime, digging into the cases and figuring out what are some of the most, you know, looked over parts mm-hmm. of some of these cases, some mm-hmm. of these cases. So um yeah. I thank you for that. And as you know, as a just as a man mm-hmm. and your husband, I want to say, mm-hmm. um, you have it, it it goes further into showing how careful you have to be with people you choose to hang and, out with mm-hmm, or having and your pe- life. Yeah, it, it's 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 at the time it seems so like casual. Yeah, yeah. let's go kick it, mm-hmm. but it just shows even further how crucial it is for you to say you know if if you're not feeling somebody or if they're giving you weird vibes. Or if they're not the one, yeah, just let it, let, let it, go. it go. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it is it's a, it's a cautionary tale, and 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 a lot of these stories are like about who the people you are that you who who are the people that you allow in your life and you let in circles. Sometimes you have no idea. Sometimes people come out of a complete bag on you, and you have no idea. Like there's 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 no sign, there's no indication, but sometimes there are, and sometimes. We ignore those signs. We ignore those, you know, red flags, and we um, don't n- look at some of the things that you know are are standing out and and then telling us like this is not not good. this is not good. It's not, not good, and it's not worth. Yeah, it. it's not it's not worth it. And I think that um, when it comes to Taylor's story, I think that yeah, I think that what we know about Taylor is that Taylor <clears throat> was a good girl. She was. In school, she was taking care of people with special needs. Um, besides whoever these exes were, or these people that the PI found that she was having conflicts with, she led a, a normal life. She was a normal teenager. She wasn't involved in anything crazy. And so clearly this was someone she had allowed in her life. And and what I believe is 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 possibly what happened from what I've been able to gather from what I've seen. Like I said, there's a lot of things that I cannot see and do not know. And so this is just my opinion based on what I've seen. But it seems like the possibility that Taylor was at work, that she um, spoke to someone or had already arranged to have someone come there. I think that person met Taylor at the home, knew where it was because either she told them or they had been there before. When they got there, I think that the reason why Taylor didn't have any shoes on is because she didn't plan to be with that person long. I think she stepped out of the house, possibly um, got in the car with this person. It was early May in Ohio. My assumption is that it was probably a little cool in the evening, so maybe they didn't want to stand outside and talk. And so she maybe went and got in the car with this person so that they could have this conversation. Because once again, Taylor's a responsible person. She's not going to invite them into the house. Maybe they've never been in the house. But I'll go out and talk to you for a few minutes. And then something possibly could have happened in that moment. And that's how Taylor ended up being taken from the home without her shoes, without her jacket. So... Yeah, my I, I I agree with everything that I see, and I agree with everything that 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 
we know so far. And so, yeah, I believe that this was somebody that Taylor knew. I believe that this is somebody that she felt comfortable with. It. And I believe that it was somebody that was in her circle. And so the fact that the police have been unable to piece this together is part of the reason why I wanted to continue, why I wanted to bring this story back up, why I wanted to highlight this story. You know, it has been uh, featured on um, Still a Mystery on Investigation Discovery in 2000, I think it was 20 or 21, you know. And so in, in recent years, it has gotten some attention. But like I said, it's still unsolved. And so therefore, it still needs to be talked about. It still needs to be brought to the forefront because... Like I always say, you listen to the shows, I always say, somebody knows something. And so at this point, you you would hope that that person or somebody would come forward and say something because whatever police need, it seems like it's really not that big of a clue. They just need somebody to tell them what happened so that they could string this together. And so um, uh, uh, Taylor's story, I'm sorry, is a, is a, was a sad story. It was a very sad story. Um, her mother, the, the things that her mother went through is absolutely heartbreaking. Her mother was just, you know, she loved Taylor. She described her as being her best friend. And so I know that this loss was devastating, has been devastating. And then the fact that nobody has ever been held accountable for what happened to her daughter, I know has been, you know, just more, um, more, more painful and more kind of like, you know, salt in the wound, as they say. So yeah, I'm happy that, um, that I could, tell this story, this sad story, to try to bring more attention to it. And that, that's it. Well, as always, we thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, you know, we appreciate you guys joining us on this new journey of afterthoughts and coming here and listening to my thoughts and Jason's thoughts and his questions and my questions. Uh, we will, of course, be back on Monday with a brand new episode of Black Girl Gone and then our afterthoughts on Thursday. Again, thank you so much for joining us this week, and uh, see you next week. Have a good week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.